1: Did You Read, with Tim Montgomery. Welcome to the latest edition of the Times Opinion Podcast. We're back from our summer break. And my goodness, what a busy summer it has been on the political front. And of course, we are all focused on the looming referendum in Scotland. And we're going to dedicate this first podcast to this huge constitutional upheaval that, as we record on Tuesday, is just two days away. And I'm joined uh, this morning by uh, Peter Kellner from YouGov and two of our columnists, Hugo Riff and Jenny Russell but before um, I ask um, my uh, guests some of the questions that we're all thinking about um, Lindsay McIntosh is in Edinburgh uh, for us on the front line from Scotland and if I can ask straight off uh, Lindsay what's the the mood there who do you think is winning the ground war I don't want you to make a prediction that we (laughs) will hold you to account for but uh, where's it going at the moment
2: Certainly in terms of the ground war, uh, the Yes campaign are out ahead. Um, I wouldn't like to make a prediction on whether that translates into a victory at the ballot box, um, but certainly in terms of the uh, the activity that they have on the streets, the posters that they have out, the, the volunteers on the street stalls and so on, they're, they're definitely out ahead there. What we have seen, however, in, in recent days since uh, polls have tightened is that the no supporters uh, have been more visible we're starting to see a lot of no thanks um, placards in windows you know across scotland um, and started... you weren't
1: seeing that before
2: no yeah. we weren't we weren't um, i actually spoke to uh, a couple of people in uh, the edinburgh newtown you know quite a sort of reticent area who were, who were no supporters and they'd said you know we, we've given money before, but we didn't really like to, to put the posters up. But, but now we just feel we just want to sort of put our heart on our sleeve or our poster in our window, as uh, it were, and, and, and we, that, we don't it,
1: care. And is that, Lindsay, because people felt intimidated? I've heard, I haven't heard. I have been up in Scotland during mm-hmm. the campaign, but lots of stories about no posters being defaced and mm-hmm. heckling of uh, no-thanks rallies. Is, it, is there that reticence, that shy factor, partly because of intimidation?
2: I I think there is to an extent. Um, I think there has been a bit of a dark underside of this campaign, which has seen, you know, uh, no supporters uh, shouted down at debates. um, And yeah, there definitely have been some defaced posters. But I think more than that, a lot of no voters, they didn't necessarily want this debate they didn't feel that they needed to sort of go out and shout about the fact that they backed the union because mm. it was just what they knew and what what they expected to continue and um, so there was perhaps some resentment there but now they they realize that if they want to save this union that they that they believe so much and that they need to do something about it
1: of course we had that trigger that sunday times you gov poll which mm. showed um yes ahead by those uh, two points and Suddenly we had what almost seemed like panic from the, the Westminster establishment and we've had all these visits, the cancelling of Prime Minister's question time mm-hmm. and the visits of the party leaders up to Scotland. And this, this massive Devo Max pledge,
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, what impact
1: has all of this had um, in your opinion
2: I think the immediate impact in the week that they came up here was that it did stall the Yes momentum. Uh, You know, in the lead-up to that Sunday Times poll, you really saw that that the Yes bandwagon was starting to roll. And I think the the No campaign really needed to do something in order to stop that. So by getting the party leaders up here, they controlled their waves to an extent. They got themselves on the front pages and it sort of took the narrative back onto their side. Uh, In terms of what they... Actually, offered the the Devo pledge. It's actually what they've been saying for quite some time. You know, up here we've had this commitment from the Scottish party leaders um, that they will deliver some devolution particular to their own party policy uh, immediately after a no vote. But what's happened now is that really has been focused in, um, and we've we've got this written pledge now from from Cameron Miliband and Clegg. Uh, It does beg the question about why they didn't do that earlier, why they didn't lay out their offer very clearly early on, so that the argument from the SNP about uh, a a vote for no being a vote for the status quo uh, didn't gain traction with voters in the way that it has.
1: And we've obviously got the polls. We're all poring over them. Is there anything that you are seeing or hearing that the polls aren't quite capturing or maybe missing?
2: I think what will be interesting, and and obviously Peter's here and and, and knows unbelievably, an unbelievable amount more about this than I do, but what strikes me is that we're going to have a turnout up to 97%, given that's the, the figure who have registered to vote. And I'm not sure how easy it is to get to that enhanced turnout to get to those people who mm-hmm. have never voted before who have been you know disenfranchised disillusioned by politics and, and which way do they jump um and also uh where are the undecideds going to go in our latest polling for, for the times i think we've got the undecideds down to about four percent previously they were splitting um, more in favor of yes but but will the ones who remain stick with the status quo i think that'll be really interesting to see
1: well, Lindsay McIntosh, thank you so much for joining us. Busy few days and probably a busy <laughs> few weeks, I should imagine. Whatever the result on Thursday, there's going to be a massive fallout for everything. Absolutely. so Thanks for your time uh, Not today. At
2: all. Good to speak to you,
1: Peter. How close is this race,
3: uh, Tim? It's incredibly close. We've had uh, in the last uh, fortnight or so, we've had three polls: two for the Times, one for the Sunday Times, and they've spanned from forty-seven percent to fifty-one percent. Yes. Any poll has a margin of error, so it looks to me as uh, as of last end of last week, which was the uh, the final fieldwork of the polling we've done so far, it looks to me as if no was just ahead, but but very, very close. What, what I'm certain of is that no was well ahead by a pretty constant 60-40 between January and early August, then something changed. Between early August and early September, there was this yes surge. This is now beyond question. And as Lindsay has just said, it did seem to stall last week after our Sunday Times poll came out and after the No campaign um, reacted. But what we don't know is whether that is simply a pause in a yes surge which is picking up now or whether it's the beginning of the end of the Mm yes surge and and the No campaign will come back. We'll have our, our... our final poll figures for The Times
1: tomorrow, Wednesday uh, night, for Thursday morning's paper, and we'll see. Because that is so contrary to the normal pattern in referenda, isn't it, in the UK? Normally there is a movement to the status quo as people stick with Nurse for fear or something worse, and they haven't on this occasion. It mm. looks like the, the voters of Scotland are sticking with what they know.
2: Yeah.
1: Do you have anything in the detail of the polling that it explains why the surge has been... So contrary to the convention, normal practice?
3: The, let me say two things about that, Tim. Firstly, the, 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 the move back to the status quo can happen very late. Mm-hmm. If you take the Quebec referendum, famously almost 20 years ago, or even the first Scottish referendum back in 1979, with just over a week to go, uh, it was 60-40 for devolution. And that yes lead disintegrated, more or less disappeared in, mm-hmm. in, in, in the final week. Well, we've got no polling data yet, really, from the final sort of six days. So the may yet, I don't know. But 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 it, uh, one may not necessarily see the late a late status quo surge in the data we've got so far. But as to what caused the yes surge in the first place, it's the economy. Uh, you know, it's a cliche of, of, of elections and referendums, but the biggest reason why the no-lead was so strong through the first half of the year was that most Scots were pretty unconvinced by the suggestion that independence would make the country's economy stronger. And what happened between early August and early September was that the pessimism declined and the optimism increased around Scotland's economic uh, prospects and that when they Yes, surge. The momentum was halted last week. You saw a quite clear move back towards pessimism. Mm. So it is very, very much connected with what people think the economic prospects of Scotland would be under independence.
1: And Hugo mm. Rifkind, um, how much the SNP have called the Better Together campaign Project Fear? Yeah, constantly frightening or tempting to frighten the Scottish people on the economic matters, particularly uh, losing the pound. The surge that Peter Kalman has just described for us, how much of it do you think the project fear message has has backfired on the unionist side of the argument?
4: Well, it it has a bit, but I don't. Um, I'm not convinced there were alterni- real proper alternatives open to them. I mean, I I was I was sort of during this surge that we, during what we now see to have been a surge, I was I was I was in Glasgow. I was uh, I spent a, a while actually canvassing with the Yes side in Glasgow, watching the Yes side canvas, yeah, I should okay, say. Thank you for that. If direction. I can clarify <laughs> that. Um, but no, I, I spent a while um, with them, and and what really struck me that I've, I've not been able to get away from is not a maybe a majority of people there in Glasgow were Yes. That wasn't unexpected. But the people who were no, were were no because they wanted to be yes, but they weren't convinced. There was nobody who was a, a passionate no, a passionate no. I believe in Britain. This is mm. this is from my heart. They were all people who who wanted to be yes, but thought but thought it wouldn't work. Jenny Gen, Gen, Russell. Russell. Mm. Higger,
5: would that be more specific to Glasgow? Would that be likely to be more anti-English than, say, Edinburgh?
4: I think it's a mistake to regard it as being anti-English. Right. Um, Pro um, Scots. Well, yes, I mean, but it is it is it is crucially different. I am they uh it's 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 sort of quite quite hard hard to clarify but they they, i mean they they see problems with britain Mm. and they they talk about problems with britain and you can you can you can address this what i believe very naive belief that that scottish independence would improve these problems but but it's all it's all based on the things about britain that they don't like which they identify with westminster government so i think if there was a referendum saying actually all we get all we're getting rid of is the westminster government and we're going to have a new government In York, which will be totally different in blah, 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 um, there would be similar sorts of support from similar sorts of people.
5: But do you think that that the pattern you saw in Glasgow, people being afraid to vote yes, Mm. but wanting to, do you think that's probably true all over Scotland?
4: Uh, up to a point, maybe less so in Edinburgh. Edinburgh has a more um, is more integrated with uh, with the rest of Britain. I mean, you know, Scots elsewhere sort of joke quite bitterly sometimes about it being an essentially English city. But I mean, you know, the idea of the kind of the the lost the lost nation, you know, the, the sort of imbued and sort of you know s- sort of small nationalism i mean it goes right to the heart of of the culture you grew up with in scotland even for me at a sort of you know sort of edinburgh private school it's right there you sing flower of scotland you know you um, you, it's all about how you once had a country and now you don't did you see that in the polling
1: peter Kellner? that there is this desire to vote for yes but it is just all these practical questions that are holding a lot of people back
3: uh yes um because, uh, well, for, for take uh, one example, which is uh, whether Scotland would be able to keep the pound. And what we found during the yes surge was an increase in the number of people who thought London was bluffing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is, when you look at the movements, it is, it is the practical issues that seem to be the drivers rather than the, if you like, more fundamental issues mm-hmm about nationhoods. And the one thing that strikes me, this is not really a a, a polling point, except indirectly, but I'm interested in in Hugo's feeling, was it it seems to me that that the... On on the two issues that the No campaign really tried to scare the Scots, firstly, whether Scotland would be able to keep the pound, and secondly, whether Scotland would be able to remain in the European Union without a break, it seems to be the tone of the Better Together campaign and, indeed, of the London politicians was incredibly arrogant. It was saying, no, you can't, and it was implicitly saying, look, you silly little children north of the border, you don't Mm. really understand Mm. these grown-up issues. Whereas had London and Better Together said on both of these things, look, They're difficult. They're tricky. If you vote yes, we'll respect that. We'll work with you to try and find the best possible solution on the currency and the relationship with Europe. But it's not going to be easy, and we can't be sure where we'll end up. I think it would have conveyed the same sense of risk, but without the arrogance, which has fed directly into Alex Salmond's campaigning, saying, don't let these arrogant people in london to push us around jenny russell
5: i think the whole problem with the discussion from london and the whole approach as i said on twitter a couple of weeks ago is that london has behaved as a bullying husband who suddenly finds his bullied wife saying i'm thinking of leaving you and first of all he's utterly indifferent and then he says well have a tantrum if you want and he says well if you leave you're going to have no friends and no house and no pensions and no one's going to talk (laughs) to you and then suddenly as she's halfway out of the door he says oh my God, I love you, you know, <laughs> have, have the spare room and half the house and a lot more freedom than you had before. And that really has been the tone. Peter's completely mm. right. I mean, can just I, sitting from the outside. Can I pick up on
1: that word that you used, indifference as well, Jenny? It was, it to, was to, kind of indifference. Because you know. talking to one person a couple of days ago, and I was saying to them, well, why did they have this surge? And they said they were at a dinner table with a Scottish family who en masse switched because uh, the rest of the countries just take us for granted they don 't think that we will vote well, for independence right. and they thought and they just sort of say, "Wake up, we could do this you know and, yeah. and we, we don 't want to be taken for granted
4: well, i mean I think the, the, the currency is so is so crucial to it, because if you look at it on any sort of logical objective level, i mean they 've lost their minds you know it 's going to be a disaster mm. uh, and, and the same with the implications for business mm. and all that kind of thing. but something that 's really vital to understand about a lot of the yes vote, a lot of the yes vote is as I said before it 's a it's a objection. It's a, it, objection to and rebellion against this whole idea that politics is dictated by things like currency, by things like the interest of business. Mm. So the harder you hit currency and say you'll be in trouble, and the more businesses that come out and say,
0: "It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work."
4: we're going to leave, you're abandoned, it's going to fall apart, the more it makes people think, well, that's exactly the kind of politics that I want a different country
1: to get away from. Can we, can we broaden the discussion now um, slightly? Um, Hugo, both of us last night, Monday night, were in Trafalgar Square for this, yeah. let's stay together, get together, I think was yeah. the awkward hashtag that was for the event. And um, uh, Bob Geldof was one of the... Yes. speakers beautifully and he, yeah. yeah and he, he, he one of his messages was you know scotland don't leave because you're fed up with westminster we're all fed up with effing westminster i won't i won't <laughs> use <the> <laughs> <full> <laughs> he exp- didn't say I, did I don't he think said, he did no. say effing no but uh, on the times podcast i think i might but um <laughs> That's something you wrote about in your column for Saturday's Times, which I should say to all Times subscribers listening, if they go to thetimes.co.uk slash comment central, I'll put links to that article and some of the other things that we've been discussing. But at the heart of this, that's what you're worried about, isn't it? Yeah, There is something wrong with the union. Yes, well, I mean, fundamentally.
4: I'd, I'd, I mean, first, I just said I thought the most moving speech last night was Jenny Colgan's one, and weirdly, it was the bit of it where she just recited the East Coast Main Line. You know, she went <laughs> yeah. from London, Stevenage, Peterborough, and ended with you know, sort of Berwick upon Tweed, Edinburgh. And, and I even, thought,
1: even even though yeah, it's a Guardian article, I'll
4: even put a link into that yeah. they? <laughs> the blog
1: because it's worth reading. It's
4: a beautiful piece, but I thought if they would just put that on a poster six months ago, just the just the East Coast Main Line, you know, and that's, that's <laughs> British. Oh. But no, but this this idea, this idea, yes, about the the union basically being tr- being in trouble. Yes, again, it's a problem you know, I've been up and down from Scotland so much over the course of the last month, which is why my voice is completely different to how it was a month ago, basically. But um, <laughs> but, but one of one of the, the, the conversations I've had again and again and again is I've said to people, "Look, I see the problems you have with, with the union, with, with the institutions of our state. Independence won't solve this. If anything, independence will make it worse. You'll have less money, less industry. There'll be no nothing to play with. You'll have more food banks. It's going to be worse." And they'd say, "But what are you doing?" You know, what's the, what's the union doing? What's, what's Britain trying to, trying to do? You've got, you've got, an, you've got h- half of parliament that's unelected. You've got politics that are dictated by business. You've got a b- bizarre foreign policy that no one votes upon in any sort of way. Every uh, you've got growing gaps between rich and poor. What are you doing about it? What's Britain do, trying to do about any of these things? And I've had no answer to that. And I found that quite upsetting.
1: And you, you, you're rallying, Kai, or certainly your conclusion at the end of the piece was mm. if Scotland votes no, on Thursday, we must take this as a wake-up call to absolutely. start thinking about those sorts of absolutely, yeah, not just for Scotland, but but, right for, but, but, but for, for right across the UK. Yeah. I mean, you see it
4: even in much of the much of the the English left. The way the English left have found it really hard mm. to con- to condemn Scottish nationalism to be against Scottish yeah. nationalism. Partly that's just pure spinelessness because I think the, the left often sort of follows the wind in that sort of way. But it's also that they feel the, these are institutions they can't defend. And yeah. quite a lot of the time, they've got a point.
1: You're nodding vigorously,
3: Peter Kellner. I? Yeah. I, I, um, I, what I find interesting about this is that I, I, I think in terms of what Hugo has just been saying, there's, there's a, a, a longer story. There's a, there's a history to this. This hasn't happened overnight. It hasn't even just happened since the Iraq war and mm-hmm. men beat expenses and all those sort of current issues. And it goes back to, I think, the complete failure of the Labour Party, which by the 1980s had Scotland sewn up. You know, Scotland was basically a conservative country till the 50s. Uh, Then conservatism became unpopular, politics became more secular, the Protestant Tory voting working class, they stopped voting Tory. By the 80s, Scotland was a Labour country of Margaret Thatcher... Many things, but including uh, launching the poll tax in Scotland before the rest of of Britain, reinforced that. But Labour was an old, corrupt, Mm union-based machine, and it just took its voters for granted and didn't provide the real sort of civic culture of of progressive Scotland that would mean that Labour could remain the dominant force forever. So firstly, the SNP captured a large slice of that. Then in 2011, in the last week, a whole heap of normally Labour working class voters Glasgow in particular, but many parts of Scotland, they switched at the end to the SNP. We're almost which, seeing which, a repeat which, of history yeah, now which, and there's that wake up call yeah, was ignored. But, but the point is it's why the SNP had the majority, which is enabled to have the referendum yeah, in the first place. Precisely. And then now in the last in during the surge, we see you know, who are the groups the three groups have swung most from from no to yes, uh, one, is, one is women, one is working-class voters, and one is uh, Labour supporters. So you put Labour and working class together, and so it is a continuing Labour failure in what should be its heartland, but it's a failure that is the culmination of decades of
1: mismanagement, arrogance, and corruption, and taking people for granted. That element, Jenny Russell, that uh, Peter Kellner refers to, of you know, lower-income people being a big part of this swing... Against the status quo for a yes vote. In a way, is this a parallel of what we're seeing in UKIP in England? Because that is also sort of a working class, lower income phenomenon. Is there just a rebellion here against the status quo, against globalisation, against austerity, against static incomes? That you know, most referenda aren't necessarily always just about the question on the ballot paper, and we're seeing the same kind of revolt in this referendum that we've seen at the European elections in the rest of the UK.
5: Yes, I think so. And that's because people very reasonably look at the current government and they think we have no sympathy with the policies or the philosophies of this Conservative government. And we're not a Conservative country, we the Scots. So why on earth should we carry on supporting it? And there's n- there are nothing about these policies which we would implement if we had a free choice even if somebody, they become
1: independent they probably will have more austerity well than they might well the yes UK. but you
5: know there's reality and the, and, and, and then, then there's, there's, hope. Then there's fi- yep. and there's also mm. a sense about who should pay in in terms of austerity there's a, still a great perception and a lot of it is true that the richest mm. in britain are certainly not being made to go through the same austere times as people at the bottom and as the toys cut at benefits and welfare and all the rest of it then that's a very strong message the other thing that was uh, fascinating, I was talking to a Scots um, person last night and they were saying one of the things that really swung opinion in Scotland was Margaret Thatcher's funeral because she's totally loathed in mm. Scotland and when she died... The British press were all full of pans of praise to a woman who, after all, won the Falklands and reset the terms of politics. And apparently it made a great many Scots absolutely livid because they looked at this and thought, here's this monstrous woman and the English are celebrating her. And a lot of people thought this, this defines for us the difference between England and Scotland still. And so
1: I it is, is, in a sense, the Tory problem then is still very real in yes, Scotland. Yes, it's very real. Which and is certainly an SNP MP angus robertson told me last week well, i think alex salmon gets a lot of the credit for the smp surge but in terms of a master tactician angus robertson i think is incredibly impressed and he said you know the most successful message they have on the doorstep is end tory rule forever well,
5: well that's why i thought it was very clever of david cameron last night or david Cameron's speechwriter to say this isn't a matter of getting rid of me I'm here as the prim- Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. If you well, don't he like he me, ta- I'll soon be gone. He talked about the Fing Tories last
1: yeah. week as well. The exactly. Doing very well no, well, that's why I
5: think he's brave to say this is not just about a Tory government. Mm. Well, I mean, I mean
4: it, it feeds in a lot to the to the, the Labour failure in Scotland as well, because I mean, if you look at what they what Labour in Scotland's been doing through the campaign, I mean, again, you know, I keep saying this, but there there are 40 Scottish Labour MPs. Where the hell are they? Mm. Um, and 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 where they are is sitting at home, going, I don't want to sit on a platform next to that Tory. Is what they're doing. Is it's that why, right? It's, it's, Is it's that why, right? It's why they're so. They're refusing
5: silent. to speak with them.
4: Well, they're, they're not. They're probably not quite refusing to. They're just not putting themselves in the situation where they do. I went out on the on the on. on uh, I followed Jim Murphy around on his on his uh, his own. He's had a Breaker.
1: good campaign.
4: He has had a good mm-hmm. campaign, but you could see the shock on his face when people would sh- would shout and call him a Tory. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm a West Coast Labour man.
1: Of course, <laughs> I'm not a Tory. You know, um, he had quite a few successes as a certain Malcolm Rifkind as well. <laughs> well,
4: yes, but um, but I mean, I, I mean, you know, it's it's a really striking thing. The distance Labour's wanted to keep from a, a mm-hmm. campaign sort of in, that in Scotland is tarnished with Toryism. There was a really striking, massive BBC debate last week in front of a huge number of schoolchildren in a, uh, in the SECc in Glasgow. And um, and so you had um, you had a uh, you had Nicholas Sturgeon from the SNP, and you had a, a green guy whose name escapes me. Forgive me. <laughs> and you had and you had the great the great Ruth Davidson from the Scottish Tories, is a really sort of impressive figure. And Labour put up George Galloway. You know, 40, Why?
3: 40 Scottish MPs. Well, surely Why? Labour would put up George well, G- I mean, I mean L- maybe L- L- Labour can't have put up any, they wouldn't have put up well, George L- Galloway.
4: Well, sorry, Labour put up nobody, so they had George no. Galloway. Right. Yeah, oh, the, la- the largest Westminster party in Scotland yeah. mm. had no representative, and instead their side of the argument was being put by George Galloway. It's an extraordinary collapse
1: of backbone and spine and courage mm. and everything. Because J- J- Jenny Russell, there's been lots of criticism of David Cameron's handling of... The question, the timetable, the panic lust, sort of Devo Max offers will keep the Barnett formula, stuff your mouth with gold, etc. But Ed Miliband also, this is pretty serious for him as well, isn't it? He clearly, the Scottish Labour vote is not loyal to him and his pleas. I think 95% of Scottish stories are voting to keep the union, whereas the Labour vote is leaking very badly it's bad for his authority now but potentially the general election if the vote is close um and no wins but you've got a high yes vote and some guilty people who voted no could the smp actually do quite well at the next general election in scotland as well
5: well, I would have thought so. I mean, the trouble clearly is that um, Ed Miliband has been as complacent as David Cameron. And mm. I have to say, as a complacent as all of us. I mean, how much yep. national coverage yep. was there in the British press some, over the past two years about some, this issue? Some of us we were all writing about
4: it quite a lot, John Well
5: done, Hugo. <laughs> but you know, you, you can Gold tra- star you can, for Hugo Riff, Definitely yeah. a gold star. But on the whole, you must agree that none of us of were course. thinking and talking much about it. In fact, I thought of writing a column about it about three months ago, about how I didn't want to end up living in Ruritania if we left both Scotland and Scotland. Scotland left us and we left the EU and just then a poll came out saying no, no, um, no is way ahead so I thought, oh, that's irrelevant, it doesn't really matter and because we all thought the status quo Mm. except for you, you Hugo might might carry on We, we, we therefore didn't think we needed to join in the debate so Miliband has definitely been complacent and Cameron has been pretty terminally complacent when you talk to people around him then there are some close friends of his who were sending him messages over the past two years saying please pay attention this is much more serious than you think.
3: Can I, I, I build on what Jenny has just said to make actually a, a slightly different point you know the campaign like our discussion of the last 20 minutes has talked about everything except whether it makes sense for a, a, a pretty well-educated a reasonably strong economy of five million people, can it survive independence in this world? Of course it can. Mm. I mean, all the, the issues to do with currency, the EU, investment, and so on, then if got the scholars for independence, there may well be five or 10 years of bumpiness, economic yeah. bumpiness, unquestionably. But to say that it's an unreasonable proposition for five million people to want to rule themselves strikes me as being absurd. Mm. And I think it's a real commentary on the campaigns, Mm -hmm. on the media, perhaps even us as pollsters, if you like, that we've not tried to lift the sights of this debate to a much more fundamental issue.
5: It's been said of this campaign that the problem with it, as Peter and Hugo were saying about the tremendous appeal that the Yes campaign have, Mm. is that they have campaigned in poetry, and the No campaign have campaigned in prose. But Mm. I think it's much worse than that. The No campaign have campaigned in spreadsheets until the last week, (laughs) and you know nothing could be less appealing, and no one has Mm. has appealed to anybody's finer feelings. Cameron yesterday evoking Mm. what we have achieved together as a nation came so very very late was a bit more moving than the East Coast yeah. main line, in fact. Well, yeah. Although
1: his line about um, all the greatness of Great Britain is owed to Scotland. I think there's a sort of unctuous quality to <laughs> yes, this. He's, that um, I think He, will have been he, w- he's, he is going to pay a price after Thursday, whatever a lot the result. Of, from a lot Tory, of, Tory, M- Tory MPs are holding their tongues at the moment, but yeah. after Friday, the, mm. the, the, the promise to keep the Barnet mm. formula, the Diva Max, which mm. they've not been con- uh, con- uh, consulted on, there's going to be quite a backlash on, on this, no. but we will have to keep these uh, questions t- Tim, for another
3: time. Very quick question, Tim. You know the Tory body. Uh, if yes wins, will the people who attack Cameron from inside the Tory body, will they be the usual suspects who simply got another stick to beat him with, or will that group expand because of what's happened in Scotland?
1: I think he's in a lot of trouble. If he doesn't mm. resign, which I think is a real possibility... I, I th- know
3: that he's very determined not to.
1: I think, um, I think there may well be very serious internal tensions but we will be back on friday with a different cast but we're having a special podcast at uh, friday for all of our regular listeners so do uh, tune in then all it uh, leads me to do today is to thank jenny hugo peter lindsey and my producer dave mcguire for being with me and most of all to you um for listening And a special thank you to all of those of you on Twitter who have said you've missed the podcast over the summer. Janarik Larsson and many others have sent really encouraging messages and they're really appreciated. Until Friday and when we will know the result, goodbye.
0: I'm Gabriel Marconi, the host of the game podcast from The Times, where we talk football every single Monday. We'll be reviewing the action from the weekend and debating on all the issues of the week. Head to thetimes.co.uk for more details and be sure to subscribe on iTunes. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices.